Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet, a betting site with a difference. Not only are we offering the best available odds on a United win, we've also got exclusive special bets created by Reds. And as we share half our net profits with the United supporters community, no matter what, the fans can always end up winning. Check out our website, redarmybet.com, or download the app, Red Army Bet. About fans, by fans, for fans. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm en route to Manchester United's pre-season tour of America. I've stopped in Montreal, the second biggest city in Canada. And from here, I'm heading to Phoenix, Arizona for the first game, which is against Mexican side Club America. From there, I'm going to go north to San Francisco for a game against the San Jose Earthquakes. South, overnight, on a bus with a bed on it. Uh, to Los Angeles for a game against uh, AC Milan and then heading over to the other side of the country to Michigan where Manchester United will play a team called Liverpool who are from England and then south east to Miami Florida where Manchester United will play Real Madrid and then back to Europe for a trip to Munich and a friendly against Bayern Munich. But I've stopped in Montreal. There were big celebrations here uh, last night from the many French people here. It's just, after Paris, it's the second biggest city in the world where French is spoken. And Paul Pogba of Manchester United obviously had a very important role to play in that. And I've stopped with a Manchester United supporter, Paul, who's originally from Northern Ireland, and despite living in Canada since 2001, kept a season ticket for Old Trafford. Cheers for joining us on the United We Stand podcast. Thanks, Andy. It's, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Why do you support Manchester United? Andy, it, it, it probably goes back to, to 1968 when I was five years old and um, probably the first game of football I ever watched, and I use the term watched uh, loosely, um, was, the, was the European Cup final. Um, and I, I just had this sense that evening uh, with the game on TV, and the whole family was around the, uh, the TV that something uh, huge was happening. And of course, they were all George Best fans, and, and George was the George was the, probably the focus more than, than anything. And I think a lot of people had a lot of sympathy for United uh, back then too because of what had happened 10 years before. And um, probably not that aware of it at the time myself, but when I think back on it, that uh, you know, events in 1958 had kind of uh, compelled everyone uh, to want United to succeed 10 years later. And, and of course, the great man, Matt Busby, to, to finally win the, the European Cup. So... Um, that really was what started my, my, my love affair. And George Best, I assume, would have been your, a hero? George was a, was a massive, massive, massive hero of mine. And in fact, when, when George died, actually a, a little part of me died as well. And um, I actually travelled home to Belfast from, uh, from Montreal for the funeral. And, uh, you travelled from Canada to Belfast for a funeral? Yes, uh, I, I did. Um, like I said, when, when George... What did your friends and family say when you did that? Well, they were glad to see me because I was coming home for a few days. Well, what about your friends and family in Canada? Uh, well, they, they just completely thought I was... Uh, they, they couldn't understand it. And um, Did you ever meet George? Um, I, I, I did, actually. I met him twice. Um, 
I met him at a book signing in, in Easton's in Belfast when he was along with his wife, uh, Angie. And um, the other time I met him was uh, when he went to do a, a show with Rodney Marsh, also in Belfast. And I knew the guy that had, had uh, set up the show or promoted the show. Um, and I had a couple of uh, George's books um, that night. And the crowd wasn't particularly... Um, great. There was a lot of uh, unfortunately drunkenness and it kind of spoiled the show. Um, and I remember being allowed in to see George and, and Rodney Marsh afterwards and he signed the books for me. And um, I remember apologising to Rodney because of the, the crowd. And um, What, they were just all steaming? <laughs> yeah, they, pre- they pretty much were all steaming. And some of the questions that came from the audience that night were, 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 were pretty poor. Um, but I remember there was. You no, know, I'm not surprised about this. And I had a conversation recently because I was considering doing a night with a, a, a lad who used to play for United. And someone said, Whatever you do, don't let questions go to the audience. And I said, Trust me, I know. Because when people have had a few, what they do, they stand up and they start, first of all, with a defence of why they support United and how long they've been going to games. Mm-hmm. And it just eats up. It's not of any yeah. interest to anyone yeah. else yeah. Apart, apart from them. But I saw it so many times that. Um, in Musa meetings in, in Stratford in the 90s where you'd get a, an A1 category guest, a Ferguson or a Keenan, someone would yeah. stand up after five pints and say, I've been following this club since and just go on with themselves. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, you've got Roy Keane sat in front of you, just let him talk rather than you. Yeah. But I'm getting sidetracked. I, I, actually, uh, I actually had an opportunity to put a question to George that night and he, uh, I, I really did like his answer and I thought it was quite humorous and funny. I actually, I kind of set him up because I knew about his relationship obviously with Tommy Doherty and I said, George, uh, did Tommy Doherty ever tell you the truth? And his answer was this. He said, uh, Tommy Doherty came into Old Trafford one morning before training and shook hands with me and said, good morning. And I walked straight across the window and looked out to see if it was raining. <laughs> Why are Manchester United so popular in Northern Ireland? Um, and the Republic of Ireland. But, you know. it, it, it's a good question. I, I think one of the positive things about Manchester United in, in, in Ireland, uh, or, well, maybe particularly Northern Ireland, is that... Um, they're they're kind of considered. It's not the Rangers. You don't have the Rangers Celtic thing. So, so it would transcend the, the political and religious divide. Absolutely, it's probably the the one thing in in my life growing up that does because it doesn't break down on on religious lines in Northern Ireland. You either love Manchester United or you hate Manchester United, and it doesn't matter whether you're Catholic or Protestant. Um, so it, it, it's always been like that, and of course we have always been fed a diet of English football. Um, in Northern Ireland because what we watch domestically is part-time pro and it didn't get a lot of airtime on TV. So English football is the most popular and uh, I think Manchester United captured um, people in Northern Ireland's imagination. It was probably because them and Liverpool um, were the two closest clubs um, to, to, to Belfast, if you like. Um, but, Northern, uh, but, but Manchester United was the one that, that always had the more Northern Ireland players and then, of course, it was George. Uh, 1958 was a big thing. I mean, I can remember um, as a kid, obviously I don't remember the crash, but I can remember as a kid 
Uh, even my grandmother, who had a passing interest in football, she always took Norwich as a draw in the pools coupe, and that was about the height of her interest. But she can tell me uh, when I was growing up that she could remember exactly where she was when she heard the news about 58. And, and everybody of that age w- was the same. They could all tell you where they were when they heard the news. And Harry Gregg was from Northern Harry Ireland. Harry Gregg was from Northern Ireland and too. there's been some great players from, from all sides of the community. Sammy McElroy. Yep. I spoke to many of them from my books. Jimmy Nicholl, Johnny Evans is a great lad. Yeah, he's from yeah. Raf Cool, I think. Yeah, you know, he, is he? He, yes, he. he, yeah. he and did. Jimmy Nicholl's from there as well. Uh, Jimmy Nicholl's yeah. from Cool too. And there, there's been a there's been a multitude of super players from from. I remember one night, um, just before the home internationals, and United had just won the the FA Cup in '77, and they came to play uh, the Northern Ireland. Um, the Northern Ireland team came to play Glen Torn, my, my local club, uh, at the Oval uh, in a benefit game for Bobby McGregor, who was a, a physio at Glen Torn. And there were five Manchester United players in the Northern Ireland team. It was Tommy Jackson, Jimmy Nichols, Sammy McElroy, David McCreary, and the other one was Chris McGrath. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, Norman Whiteside came through, the, the Shankill skinhead. Big, big Norm, yeah. He's a great fellow, Norm. And I know he listens to these podcasts. Um, yeah. I really like him. I think he's a very intelligent man. I've spoken to him a lot about the, the past troubles in, in Northern yeah, Ireland yeah. and he's very balanced. Um, yeah. I, I just find him a, a very interesting uh, person who, who loves life. And, and I, he, There was a fanzine named after him called the Shankill Skinhead yeah. at the start of the 90s. And yeah, I can remember when, when the troubles were going on, you would see a Rangers shirt and, uh, on one side and a Celtic shirt on the other, but you'd see Manchester United shirts on both. So yeah. you'd have these people throwing rocks at each other, yeah. these youths or, or whatever. United against United. Yeah, um, I get that. I've been yeah. over there loads of times yeah. and United have got a really strong supporter network, haven't they? Yeah, but yeah. And you've travelled with them loads. Yes, I have, yeah. You're over here now, but, but you, you know, you've been a season ticket holder. What, what year would you have gone to most of your matches? It, it was probably it was probably the year of the, the, the treble and, and that, that wasn't, because I was glory hunting or anything like that. It was just, it, it was a period in my life that luckily um, I was affluent enough to, to probably go to more matches than, than maybe any other season. And that maybe lasted for about um, four or five years or probably a little bit longer. Um, and, and as I say, this, the season of the treble, we didn't know we were going to do the treble. So that's not the reason that I went to so many games that year. It just happened to be, um, you know, quite fortunate. And, and I made a point actually of going to all the home games uh, in Europe that year because I had a really strong, positive feeling um, that this was going to be our year to finally win the European Cup again. But it, it, interesting what you say about Big Norm, and, and I hope he does listen to this because I'll, I'll say hi, Norm, because um, I remember very well a night in Jenny Watson Banger where we got pretty <laughs> pretty much messed up, and I think we shared a taxi back to you were staying in Crawfordsburn or he was staying in Crawfordsburn, and I lived kind of uh, on the road, and I couldn't get a taxi for love nor money actually that night um, because Banger was really busy, and I remember just jumping into one taxi and saying, Look, he says, No, I can't take it. I says, I've got Norman Whiteside with me he says okay fine <laughs> so that's how I got my taxi that night but it can't have been Norman he doesn't drink uh, yeah I know yeah yeah he drunk us all under the table that night I can tell you yeah. and yet now because of football's gone more global the numbers of uh, players from Northern Ireland Republic Scotland Wales it, it's really decreased hasn't it even England yeah because the, the, the net is 
it's yeah. cast far wider. It's You're so likely to get a kid from Sao Paulo. Yeah, it, it's so difficult for 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 Northern Ireland um, to get players now, and in, for instance, the top division in England because uh, there's so many foreigners there. It's actually difficult, as you, I think you just correctly said, even for. England to get English players in the top division in England so I mean obviously that has an effect on our, our national teams and I, I know Northern Ireland did exceptionally well over the last couple of campaigns under Michael O'Neill who I think is a genius by the way um, but uh, I, I think if some of these competitions hadn't been extended you know we'd still be we, we probably wouldn't have well it's probably wrong to say we wouldn't have qualified for France because we won the group so yes we probably would have qualified for France two years ago um, even if the the competition had been more more condensed or fewer 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 teams, but uh, it's it's much more difficult for us to get players uh, across the England now, which which is not not good. I'm gonna head over to Phoenix now. I'm going via a Radiohead concert in Montreal. Montreal was better served than any city in the world by the Manchester Liners. There were free ships a week leaving Salford Docks. 100 metres from Old Trafford, coming right over the Atlantic in the late 60s and early 70s. And then the ships got too big for the Manchester Ship Canal and that trade died away. So I'm going via Ottawa into Phoenix where it looks like it's absolutely roasting for the first game and I'll join you from there. I've arrived in Phoenix, Arizona after a long journey down from Canada. It's probably the hottest place I've ever been to. I spoke to the lady as the plane came into land in Phoenix, which I think has grown so much that it's now the sixth biggest city in the United States, with about four million people in the urban area. I'll be corrected soon because I'm sat with a local who's a United fan, originally from the UK. And the lady was saying that this time of year is famous for having its temperatures in triple figures, so that's over 100. But it's actually quite a dry heat, even though it's like walking into a sauna you don't start sweating profusely, as was the case in Montreal a couple of days ago. This is the first time that Manchester United have ever played in Phoenix, and I'm in a pub called the Georgian Dragon, which is close to downtown. United are playing Club America in the huge stadium, which has staged the Super Bowl here in Phoenix a couple of times, and it's going to stage it again. Around 35,000 tickets have been sold, so it's far from a sellout. United have played Club America before, and I was just looking at ticket prices for the game in Los Angeles against Club America in 2003, and they were twice what they are for tonight's game. Club America are a huge, they're probably the biggest Mexican club. I'm sat with David. David's the landlord of the Georgian Dragon. There's a United flag outside. There were lots of reds in here last night, and I'm going to speak to some today. The type of people who've been on this podcast before who travel around the world following Manchester United. Numbers are down, I've got to say. It's the fourth time in five years that United have played in the US. The pound's really weak against the dollar. I think novelty factor that we found in 2003 when probably a 1,000 United fans travelled to New York for that brilliant pre-season. It's wearing off a little bit. It's expensive to get to. And while all the cities that United are playing in on this tour, Phoenix, San Francisco, Stroke Santa Clara, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Ann Arbor, Detroit and Miami, they're all well worth visiting. It still costs a lot of money. David, thanks for joining us on the United We Stand podcast. You sat here with a Best Law and Charlton t-shirt on. Your pub has got a Manchester United flag outside. I take it you're a United fan? A little bit, yes. 
The first football match I ever saw was uh, the 68 Cup final when I you know, saw Bobby, Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, George Best play and I went, that's it, I'm now a United fan and I have been ever since. So where are you from in the UK? I'm from Ramsgate, down in Kent, down by Canterbury and Dover. But um, I, go, I go home every year uh, purely just to make sure I go to see a game every year. I'll be home for the 22nd of September to watch the Wolves game. So but when they come over here, because uh, I live in Arizona on the West Coast, when they play on the West Coast, I go to all the games. In fact, I was at the Club America game in Seattle three years ago. Yeah, it was fun. I love it when we score a lot of goals. <laughs> so Ramsgate is the rivals with Margate, isn't it? Yeah, right next door. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we don't we don't big, like each other. <laughs> there's some big United fans from that area. People who go, you know, I know Pete. It's, there's lots of people who go to. It's a long, long journey up to Manchester. That it's an even longer one from from Phoenix. Why did you move here? What's your story? Honestly, to get as far away from my ex-wife as I could, okay. <laughs> and come to a country where they nearly speak the same language. But I've been here since 1980, so 38 years. And why Phoenix? This wasn't where I lived initially. I was a, um, I went to Vegas. I was a dealer in Vegas. And what type would, of dealer? Yeah, cocaine, heroin, no money <laughs> care. <laughs> no, a blackjack dealer. I was a dealer in the West End of London when I was 18. So I went to Vegas and I was there for about six weeks and hated it. So I got a job traveling around the country selling magazines door to door. What and type I, of magazines? Sports, fashion, educational, stuff like that. And the worst part about it in the 80s, you couldn't find a Man United game on TV. No one was covering it. So it was like a whole decade of not seeing any Man United games. It was quite depressing. And then when I opened up the pub, the first thing I made sure I did was I can get every Man United game on my pub, on TV in my pub. When did you open the pub? February the 15th, 1995. So you've had a good run. It must be doing all right. Yeah, touch wood. Touch wood. Yeah, we've been here 20, 23 years. What are your most popular products here? And what type of people do you get? Is it expats or curious locals? Well, no, we get um, a lot of Brits, a lot of expats, and then people um, who's like um, been to England and they want to get a taste of it again, or people this is as close to England as they're ever going to get. So I always say, when you walk in the pub, leave your passport at home. When you walk in here, you're in an English pub and get, get used to it, you know what I mean? Because it's a totally different atmosphere from an English pub than it is an American bar. Why, what's the difference? Attitude. <laughs> we like to drink and the, and the colourful language what happens in pubs in America they frown upon that but it's just the way we talk and you have a few beers and you know the language gets a little bit more colourful than what you started but we enjoy our beer I tell people over here we do three things well in England we drink we gamble and we make little English people we do more in that day and in that, in that order <laughs> what are your favourites here for people in terms of food and the drinks? Food wise, fish and chips by far. We win the award every year for the best fish and chips in the valley because we use beer for batter. Well, it's Bud Light, so if you call that beer, then we use beer batter. Um, we have a, a butcher from the East End of London and he makes all my bangers for me, so they're legit. Exactly what they like at home. And our, our chicken curry is really, really good as well. And we make everything fresh here on, on hand, so our pasties are excellent. So yeah, so that's our favourites. And what about drinks? When I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Cronenberg guy and Stella, but when I go home, I like Carlin, and we just can't get it here. It's in New York, but it's not available in Arizona yet. So do you have any British or English ales here? Right? We uh, Number one, Boddington's on tap. Yeah? Yeah, we have Boddington's, and we actually have Newcastle Brown on tap, which they don't even have in England. They've only got it in a pint-sized bottle. So when we get people from Newcastle, they, got, they can't believe their eyes when they see that we have it on tap. Is the United flag outside all the time? Yep. Well, it, that's a new one because we, we have a monsoon last week and destroyed all the flags. So they went, they went flying off the building because we had a haboob come in, which is a big dust storm. 
and so all three of my flags went flying so that, that's actually a brand new flag this week Do you get reluctant Liverpool fans or Chelsea fans or Arsenal fans coming in because I don't imagine there's a huge number of British pubs in Phoenix I'm the only one that's actually owned by an Englishman there's three others but they're owned by an American there is a Liverpool pub downtown and yeah they don't come in here and I don't go down there <laughs> and you have all the games on in here? Yep, absolutely. So that, we show all the morning games. That seems to be the biggest change in the last 20 years. Your story's very typical of fans I speak to in the US. Mm -hmm. When they started, they couldn't get access. They'd drive two hours to watch a game at five in the morning. Yep. And now, they get every game. You get more games on television than you would living in Manchester. I, I, I watch more games. On, I tell my friends, oh, I'm watching a United game in the morning. They said, well, it's not on TV over here. In England, they couldn't get the bloody game, but I'm watching it in Arizona. It makes no sense. You're clearly doing well here, but what do you miss about life back home? Actually, the pubs. Even though I have a pub now, the atmosphere when I walk at home, when I walk into a pub, it's a completely different atmosphere, even though I have an English pub, but predominantly, I'd say 80% of people in here are Americans. But when I go home, it's just, you just like, Relax, you know. What I mean, I'm home. I got a pint, and, and, and it's just a different, different atmosphere, which I love. So the first thing I do when I go home, I go straight to a pub, I get a pint of Carlin, and then just relax. I think having a beer with a newspaper, a printed newspaper, nothing on a screen, yep. in a pub, sitting by yourself, is one of the great luxuries of life. Especially if it's a, if it's a decent old. Uh, pub as well so you're expecting more United fans in here today and how are you going to get to the game we um, the, the pub has um, hired a coach and we're going to uh, take 40 people from the pub and take them to the game for free so this way they haven't got to deal with the hassle of traffic and getting to and from the game so I know at least going to be 40 Man United fans on the bus and bring them back after the game and then have a bit of a piss up afterwards is this a football town? I was speaking yesterday to people from the local club with a view to interviewing Didier Drogba, mm -hmm. who's out here now. Yep. And uh, their Chinese owner also owns Nice in, in France. Uh, is it a football town? And tell us about the city. It seems to be massively successful, fast growing. I couldn't work out where your water comes from because you're in the desert, but some ladies <laughs> told me last night that there's plenty of it. Absolutely. Well, it actually is the fifth largest city in America now. And when I first moved here in 1980, the motorway didn't even hit Phoenix. It was like 20 miles outside. And um, put this way, where we are now, we're three miles from downtown. And the high school here is called North Phoenix High School. So 20, 20 or 30 years ago, this was North Phoenix. It's now Midtown. So this it's town, massive, isn't it? It's yeah. just a huge urban sprawl. What, what was bringing people here? I know after the Second World War, Lots of the soldiers came here because it was sunshine and they got offered good inducements to come here, but yep. it's continued. What, what is it? A lot of, because there used to be a, a German prisoner war camp about 20 miles, 30 miles north of us. So a lot of them, when the war was over, they just said, we're staying. The weather's too nice. You know what I'm saying? They, I mean, it, like you said, it's a dry heat. You know what I'm saying? I've been, I live in Houston where you take a shower, blow dry your hair and take another shower. You know what I'm saying? It is hot, but it, you, like you said, you don't, you're not drenched. It's just hot. But um, people, I think they like it because um, you're 45 minutes on a flight to Los Angeles, Las Vegas, two hour drive to go snow skiing in Flagstaff. I'm, I'm actually going to San Diego this weekend because it's going to be 80 degrees instead of 115 here. So it's really, it's really easy access to wherever you want to go from here. And is it a football town? Yeah, like I said, they're going to have an MLS team, hopefully, fingers crossed. It's called the Phoenix Rising. And I think today is going to be a big plus for the city of Phoenix when they see how many people are going to see a, um, a two, two teams that aren't even American 
and they're going to have at least 30, 35,000 people at the game, and they're going to see that. They're going to go, what? This town can have an MLS team, and they can manage to get people to the game. There's enough um, Hispanics here um, who, their the sport is football. So, and you're going to see a lot of them at the game tonight. And yeah, I, absolutely, everyone I speak to says the minute they get the MLS team here, they will get season tickets, and they will go to every week. Finally, are you confident about Manchester United's prospects this season? You know what? I think so. We might need to get another couple of midfield players um, and maybe another striker. But uh, the most important thing is we just got to be ahead of Liverpool. That's the most important thing. <laughs> and winning the Premiership, definitely. Your accent has a definite American twang to it now. Has anyone told you that before? I've been here 20, uh, th- 38 years. Yeah. And the more I'm around English people, like last night, I felt like I'd never, I'd been here a month, you know what I mean? But the more so I'm around... You back into the... Story. 100%. When, when I go home, they call me the Yank. You go, here comes the Yank. I went, bollocks, I'm from Ramsgate. That's not cool. And they go, cool, that's an American word. You're a Yank. I went, oh. But yeah, they call me the Yank when I go home. There's very few travelling United fans who've made it over the Atlantic to watch the Reds on their 2018 pre-season tour. But fans can watch every pre-season tour game live and exclusive on MUTV. Live games include friendlies against Club America and San Jose Earthquakes before United enter the ICC tournament facing the likes of AC Milan, Liverpool and Real Madrid. United then fly back to England and on to Bavaria for a final game against Bayern Munich on August 5th. United fans can find MUTV on Sky Channel 418 and it costs just £7 a month with no contract to watch all six games. Search MUTV Sky or go to Channel 418 to find out more info or to watch pre-match build-up for free ahead of each game. I can't escape Elton John on these podcasts. The last one of the season was with that Watford fan. Come all the way to Phoenix to try and escape him. I won't say that he's in the pub here, but Elton John has followed us here. And with for three lads, United fans who have seen for years going to the matches, just introduce yourselves each of you and tell us about your trip so far. Uh, Jim from Sheffield, well Chesterfield now, just moved. Uh, so I flew over on Tuesday, so I had uh, a day yesterday looking around Phoenix and there wasn't a lot to see to be honest. So now... Uh, there's not much here is there downtown? Now. The sixth biggest city in America and there's not really much here. We've been on the light railway both ways, east and west, to try and find something and there's absolutely bugger all. You've ended up in a pub? An English pub as well, but still. Is there more to do in Chesterfield than Phoenix? Yes. Chesterfield's the centre of the universe. Space How long have you be. been living in Chesterfield? Uh, just three years. What's the nickname of the team? Uh, Spyrites. Why? Because of the crooked spire. Surely everybody knows that. Alright. <laughs> and did you know that Chesterfield's ground is the only one with a memorial to the soldiers from the club who fought in the First World War? Well, now you've, you've taught me something there, Andy. I'll teach you something else. Fulham is the only ground in Britain with a memorial to the International Brigade who fought in the Spanish Civil War. Someone told me that last week when I was at a famous battle. This is getting woefully sidetracked. How are United going to do this season? I'm meant to sound optimistic now because I'm going to be struggling. Just be truthful. Now, it's very disappointing to hear Mourinho starting moaning already. I mean, we haven't had any signings to get you excited. The end of the last season was pretty duff and I just can't see anything changing. Can't see us getting out anywhere near City. So we're fighting for second place before we start. Paul from Derby. So is this like the South 
Well, you're Derbyshire, aren't you? Yeah. Derbyshire Reds. Originally from Corby. Alright. How many United fans are in Derby? A lot. We've got a, there's a branch there. Is there? Yeah, there's yeah. A few of us go on the train quite regular. So, yeah, and so, Derby's like so close to Manchester and it's the hardest place in the world to get to. Which way do you come over the tops? Am I, talk, <laughs> am I talking like a local there? You are, yeah. Right, tides well. No, no, we go Derby, Ashbourne, Leek, right. Macclesfield. By our own towers? No, and then like, the A34 into uh, Hanforth Way. And how long does that take you? On the way home, we can do it in about an hour and 20, but on the way there, it's about two hours because of traffic. What do Derby County fans make of you going to every Manchester United game? I don't care what they think. Yeah? But you must have mates who are Derby fans. Did they respect you for going to... No, no my mates. My mates are United fans, really. Are they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's Derby like as a place to live? It's all right. They might come up this year, they're quite confident, aren't they? But then again, it's July and they're confident every yeah, year. Yeah, they've got Frank Lampard, so they're all buzzing, aren't they? They've got good support. Yeah. They really have. Yeah. I mean, they were getting 32,000 consistently while being a pretty mediocre championship yeah. team. Yeah, they've got a good hardcore support. Yeah. They took 4,000, didn't they, to Notts County for pre-season friendly. Yeah. But I think that's because of the Lampard impact, you know. Yeah. Can you say anything in a Derby accent? Is there a Derby accent? Or right, be duck, something like that. Duck? So right, it's like yeah, Nottingham? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. How long, how long are you on this tour for? Uh, two games, first two games, then we go to Vegas for two nights and home. So about nine days until. How will United do this season? Uh, a bit like Jim, really. I don't know what to expect. Um, I'm hoping he's just going to let the shackles off the players and we can attack more and stop being so defensive. We've got the players, really, up front especially. We've got pace and we're not using it. Defensively, we probably need a bit more cover. Um, so it's yeah, it's going to be interesting, but we'll have to see. Tony, Tony from Atlanta, now Las Vegas. You're living in Vegas. I am. And you're originally from close to London, no? Yes. And you've been going to matches for years. I remember Sir Alex Ferguson mistaking you for a journalist by the <laughs> by the statue of Christ the Redeemer in in Rio. Absolutely. I tell you what, he was out of order there. Mm-hmm. He was out of order. Was there? Fergie was out of order. He was a bit off with you, wasn't he? You know, I remember for a, that. For a little bit. And then he was okay. Then he was fine. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, Beckham's uh, kid was uh, going through a kidnapping story and uh, everyone was sensitive. Ah, okay. If you didn't know that, there, right. there was overtones with uh, Ed, Ned Kelly. Yeah. So he was watching me. Ned, Ned uh, lives in, um, in Florida now. Does he? Yeah. Ned's the former head of United Security. He was going to come on this podcast and you still should, Ned. Because <laughs> uh, I think you'd enjoy it. And I hope the Florida sunshine's treating you well and maybe I'll pop in and see you in a couple of weeks before Manchester United's game against Real Madrid. Tony, how many countries have you seen Manchester United playing? Could you include Southern Ireland and things like that? Well, the Republic of Ireland is a country. Yeah, well, there's so many of these little places, isn't there? I mean, probably a 40-odd countries. I mean, if you started to say, you know, can you include Hong Kong? But I think Republic of Ireland is definitely a well, country. Well, it's a small country, isn't it? But what I mean by that is, like, Russia is all broken down into new countries, and obviously a lot of people, like it's myself, the- were going when uh, there was uh, less countries than there are now in the in the Europe. Ireland didn't get independence last week, Tony. You. <laughs> you know, this is. <laughs> No, I You've used got a lot of people I, listening in here well, in Dublin and. Well, I can say I've seen United in Scotland, and Wales, Derry. and Ireland. But, yeah, you know, I don't, I, I don't really Irish consider that as travelling. You know what I mean? 
if you've got to travel over the over the water, yeah, and that is a travel. Oh, if you right. go to Ireland, either Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland, they are classed as two separate countries. Absolutely. In the official book of countries you've seen Manchester United in, yeah, if you're going to turn around and say Monaco. Then it starts getting a bit doubtful because it's a principality. It is, but the Republic of Ireland is a fully fledged, bona fide country. Mm-hmm. Whichever way you look at it. Oh yeah, no argument. Right, we better move on from this. Aren't we? <laughs> I, hope, I hope everyone's satisfied with that listening in. Uh, no offence to the Irish, of course. Uh, lovely Waterford. place. We get loads of listeners. We, we we've played in Ireland so many times. You know, you forget you forget how many times you've been there. You know. This podcast actually starts with a lad who's from Belfast talking mm. about Ireland. So. Yeah. When I set off on this trip, I didn't think that Ireland would feature so prominently, but it has done, but that's the nature of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your highlight as a Manchester United fan? You've been got a game since... Uh, since when? 2008? I think, <laughs> since the 60s? I think, uh, I think the highlight was definitely May 1999. Why? What happened then? The twilight of the treble, the, the business end of the season... Uh, just going to all these places that ended in an O and uh, enjoying the world and um, coming back from uh, the Barcelona game, um, the Bayern Munich match in Barcelona. Uh, I remember flying, I was up the front of the plane and flying over the uh, Eiffel Tower on the Air France connected flight. Called my mum and wished her happy birthday and the world was very good. So I'd say that's probably the highlight of my May following United. May 1999. Uh, I don't think it gets any better than that. Although when we was in Tokyo as the champions of the world, I remember us dancing down the streets and singing the Queen song. And we really were champions of the world. And I think Manchester United Football Club didn't really sensationalise that. Uh, I, went I in, agree with I you. I went in strongly. the souvenir shop. I went in the souvenir shop. There wasn't even a souvenir. I strongly agree with you for, for several reasons. Um, it wasn't just Tokyo. It was Yokohama nine years later. People singing Obladi, Obladar, Man United, champions of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. That competition is a huge deal in South America. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger deal yes. than the Libertadores. Yes. It's why Corinthians took 22,000 to Yokohama when Chelsea took 900. Right. The South American fans absolutely piss all over the European teams. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's not easy to get to Yokohama, no. but that tournament should be given more credence than it is to. And I don't know why people are so dismissive of it. I was in Porto Alegre in December when the local team Gremio played in it against Real Madrid. And I was, it's a good story. Gremio, South American champions, they beat an Argentinian team, they're about to play Real Madrid. I was writing about um, young Gremio players, one of them has just gone to um, Barcelona called Arthur, Artur. Um, another former one, Anderson, I spent time with him. The game wasn't even live on British TV, despite British TV having 55 live games every year. Sure. There's got to be something wrong there. I'm not saying it's going to be the biggest game ever, but that competition. Or maybe it's just sour grapes because we're miles away from reaching it at the moment. Well, I think, you know, if you're, a, if you're a United fan and you were growing up in the 60s, you remember the Estudiantes game. And uh, that was the first time that United really had been out in South America, as far as I know. And um, it, was, it was a trophy that we, we didn't know a lot about, but we embraced it. And even though we lost to Estudiantes, it was always... We wanted to get back and win, it, win that competition. To this day, on the streets of La Plata, 
there is graffiti saying Manchester 68. When I first saw it, I thought, wow, this is an outpost of United fans. It's not. It's the Studiantes fans. In, in um, Buenos Aires, where that game was played, somebody threw, in the words of Paddy Creran, a bag of meat at Bobby Charlton's head. Creran reckoned he wasn't intimidated. I've, I've got it on good authority that he shit himself. And Paddy, you're going to get wind of this either way. I know you are. I've heard that you were really scared there and you bottled it. Get back to me if that is not, not the truth. How are you feeling this season, Tony, about the game? Um, what, this season in general? With United. Um, well, the reason I support United is because I love wingers. My favourite player of all time was George Best. I love Willie Morgan, Kachelskis, Giggs. All the wingers were sensational. That's why I support Manchester United. And when, when we're playing down the middle, doing lots of triangular passes, uh, I find myself now almost watching, watching my phone as opposed to watching the game because it's just so difficult to concentrate on the play because it's not enjoyable to watch. I don't know if it's going to carry on this year. My gut says it will. Uh, but, you know, as a fan, we just have to live through it. Uh, one of the disappointments I thought was uh, Ibrahimovic uh, never, got, never got a good bye, never got one last game where the fans could salute him. Neither did... Well, that uh, often happens, Tony, no? Well, uh, it does happen, but like Mourinho didn't bring any of the kids on in the last home game last season. Fergie always did that. Fergie always brought a kid on in the last game of the season. Mourinho's got to look at the history of our football club and why there's 75,000 people in the stadium every week. You must be the only one who can get a reception to look at your phone while the game's on. But I take your point, um, and <laughs> that, that Watford game, you can hear the pub starting to sing now, that Watford game was so typical of many at the end of last season, it was dreadful. It yes. was dreadful. Yeah. Brighton away, West Ham away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People spent a lot of money to go to oh, those places, oh, and they were shit. They were absolutely... So a couple have just walked in the pub, heard everybody singing, excuse me sir, I'm just recording this. <laughs> Do you know that they're, they're English football fans, they're singing for Manchester United or a yeah, football yeah. team in England. Yeah. You've just gone in for a quiet drink with your, your partner. <laughs> <laughs> it amused me. We actually me. came to shoot pool, but Where are you from? This is a, a podcast listening to in, well, uh, around the world. I live in Oklahoma, but I'm originally from Tennessee. So you went in there to shoot some pool, and it's full of English soccer fans, <laughs> which is perfectly fine. You know, as long as they're having, as long as they're having fun, that's a great thing. Maybe come back tomorrow. <laughs> Take care. I like that. I like stuff, stuff like that. I'm going to head up to the stadium now. I'm just listening out loud. This is. Yeah. Players like that, so yeah. How do you enjoy tonight? 
yeah, it was great to start the game and, and play 60 minutes. Yeah. Great experience today, playing playing left wing, linking up with Anthony Martial and Luke on the left side, so it was good. Yeah. And Hearts was a good experience for you, know? Yeah, Hearts was great. Hearts was great. Played played about 12 games. I picked up a small injury in between. Yeah, but I saw that. Yeah. And in terms of my performances there, they were all they were all good and going forward and just looking for the looking forward to the season. Yeah. And um, tell us about your family in Old Trafford. What did they do? <laughs> Family in Old Trafford, like like you just said, like you just said yourself, dad's a postman. Yeah. Mum's a teacher. Is dad a red? He's not. He's a blue. Right. And <laughs> mum's blue as well. Yeah. Yeah. But so why two. were you red? Growing up, all my friends at school and that, I just you know. This dad, is ace. Yeah. Growing up, my dad said and my mum said to me, obviously city was nowhere, nowhere near as good as they are now. But he said, obviously city's not as city's not as good. Is that we're we're City fans, but if you choose United, because I was I was actually training for both teams at the start. So at what, the time. what made you choose United? I just preferred the training. It was more developing skills and, and you were dribbling. Red as well. Yeah, exactly. And they said, don't feel pressured because we're City fans. Just choose what your heart is. So I chose United, and and it's looking like it's paying off. So Did far. you ever go to games as a kid? Um, not when I was too young, because they probably couldn't afford it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but. As I got into the academy setup, nine, ten, the club always give you tickets and stuff to yeah. go, just so you can see what it's like and and, and get get the feel for it. A couple of words on some of the young lads who played tonight. Tahith. Yeah. Tahith. Yeah, he's he's a he's a great player. He's, he's why? Um, why? Yeah. He's so he's so direct and dynamic. He can play left or right side. He's quick, and even though he's slight, he's slight. Yeah. He's still strong. Yeah. So, yeah, you know all the players that came on tonight, Angel as well. They've done well in the. Um, the Premier League, the Premier League season under 18s, and you can see the quality that they've got there. Just Chungi's cross, yeah. Just set, setting up the goal basically. So yeah. Tell me about him. About Chungi. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He had, a, he had to sing the other night. Yeah. He what had did a, he, sing? he sung "Man in the Mirror" Michael Jackson. Have so, you done your one? Me? Nah. They missed me out last year, so I'm not doing it this year. I'm not doing it this year. What? I should have done it last year in LA, but I didn't. They didn't what? get around to asking me. What school did you go to? <laughs> Stratford Eye. Yeah? Yeah. I went so. to Ermston. Uh, Ermston, yeah. On, on, on uh, Stratford. And yeah. then. Um, Stratford High, but I moved to Ashton because yeah. the young players. They, okay. When they get to about 12, 13, 14, they switch schools. Uh, with Dave Bushell and yeah, people like that. That's yeah. how you can train basically every day. And better training every day and get to develop more, don't you? What do you want to do this season? What's your ambition? My ambition right now, I don't really tend to look too far into the future. ¿Qué tal, amigo? Bien, tú. Hablamos el después del próximo partido, ¿sí? En domingo. ¿Todo bien? Todo bien. Speak Portuguese. Who's been really good, like a good influence on you? Good influence. Nicky Bot's been a good influence. Why? He's been a good influence because he was the one that told me I can become a really good left left back at a top level. Did he? Yeah, he he, he was the one that said, like, he can see me in the future being a top quality left back, looking at people like Patrice Ever, Ashley Cole. So that really stuck out to me, like, and it really made me focus on players like that, like Marcelo, and that. He's, like, he's like one of my idols. Ah, Marcelo. Yeah. And when you go abroad, um, when you went like to Hearts and stuff, yeah. is that just tough you up going out? Yeah, the football there was mad. Like it was so, it was so aggressive. It wasn't in terms of, it wasn't that like, physical, but it was aggressive. In your face, 100 miles an hour, so you have to be quick, and you have to be ready. Like you can't be making mistakes and that because you're playing for points and that. So for this season, finally, <laughs> you wanna this season? Yeah, your aim. Like I said, I don't really take, <clears throat> I don't really like, make too many aims. I just wanna. Get this tour, play as much as I can, impress the manager, and just show what I can do. And then whatever the manager decides, if I go on loan or stay, that's up to him. But you'll see a good season from me.
How would you like a free case of craft beer? Well, as a listener to our podcast, we'd like to thank you for listening. And with the help of our friends at beer52.com, we can provide a free case of draft beer. Just go to beer52.com forward slash united to claim a free case. Beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back to their members. There's a whole world of craft beer out there, and this is your chance to get on board with discovering it. Every month focuses on a new country or theme, and if you sign up now, you'll get a chance to try a case of the best of British craft beers as part of their Summer Bangers selection for free. It features the country's best craft brewers, such as Northern Monk, Ilke, Red Willow, and Thornbridge. You'll be able to read all about the beers, and learn more about how they're made in the 100-page Ferment magazine, which is included in the box. As a listener to our podcast, you can try your first case for free. Just pay £2.95 postage. That's an incredible eight craft beers, Ferment magazine, and a snack delivered with free next-day shipping. There's no minimum commitment. You can take the free case, try the beers, and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel any time. Beer 52 has a five-star rating on Trustpilot, so it's easy to see their members love the service. Just visit www.beer52.com forward slash united and claim your free case today. That's www.beer52.com forward slash united. The game has just finished in Phoenix, Manchester United 1, Club America 1, Matteo Darmian got the equaliser after 78 minutes, terrific cross led to it from Chong, the teenage substitute, he was probably the best player on the pitch, just walking back away from the ground, still scorching up. Jose Mourinho described the game as a, a good workout, a training game, he pointed out that Club America are about to start their season and they're at a more advanced stage. It was far from a classic. Crowd 37,000 in a 65,000 capacity stadium. That was notable actually, because Manchester United have they've been a headline act, they've been selling stadiums out. And that was far from full, even though the prices were lower and been reduced than compared to previous seasons. It's probably a few factors. Um, it's not the strongest United team. United are no longer the draw that they were, I don't think. Um, because they're not as successful as they used to be. But look at it another way, 37,000 for a, a friendly game is still a hugely significant figure. Manchester United played in the States in the 70s and early 80s to crowds of seven or 8,000 people. So, well, there's been some massive, massive crowds, and there will be on this tour. They're expecting over 100,000 against Liverpool. Uh, uh, I spoke to Dimitri Mitchell after the game, nice lad, he enjoyed it. I asked Mason Greenwood, he said he'd enjoyed it as well. Spoke to some of the other players, they're all successful in terms of none of them got injured. Um, Lee Grant, the goalkeeper, he was pleased with how things had gone. So, I mean, it's a pre-season game, I'm not going to get too excited. But it could have been a lot better and it could have been a lot worse. So the next game... It's hardly an appetising one. It's against San Jose Earthquakes in Santa Clara. We're going to head to San Francisco tomorrow. And then the games step up a notch 
against AC Milan, Liverpool and Real Madrid. So that's it from me. Watch out for the video diary as I've been filming as well as doing the podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the latest United We Stand podcast brought to you by Red Army Bet. We offer the best available odds on a United win as well as a host of special bets created by Red. With half our net profits being donated to United supporters groups, Red Army Bet is about fans, by fans, for fans. Check out our website redarmybet.com or download the app. Red Army Bet, we all follow United.